Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Amen, and thank you for that time of prayer, Luke and uh, worship team. The, uh, the Bible is an amazing, an amazing book. When you start looking at it, when you start processing it, and, and thinking about what God has given us in this, this book, uh, you know, the different, different types of literature in this book, from prophecy to, to uh, prose to narrative to his, history to, to uh, genealogies, all different kinds of literature in this book, and yet there's, there's this one book. Uh, all these different books, 66 books, thousands of years of time gone by, uh, one, one theme in one book. Uh, different theologians summarize it in different ways, of course. They, nobody's in unanimity on, on how to summarize this grand book, and, and it, other than redemption is the one that I really hone to. This book of God creating the heavens and the earth. This book of, of rebellion and sin and evil and wickedness. T- talking about the history of it. This book of, of God redeeming and saving, rescuing the world that he made. This book that talks about a kingdom glory coming, salvation, eternal life. A, a, a grand story, this narrative of a drama of God, God working and creating space, creating time, creating people, them falling into wickedness and sin, his, his desire to save and rescue, and one day the kingdom come, one day glory, one day eternity. Uh, what, what, what a book. When we get to the Gospels, like we've been in the Gospel of Mark for some time now, we, we see uh, the, the, the big highlight of the book is... Jesus going to the cross. The story of his, his cross work, his passion, his, his going there to die for us. What an incredible, incredible story. What an incredible account. A, a history account of, of redemption and salvation. The, the big story of all four Gospels is, man, Jesus going there to save sinners, to rescue and deliver us, to pull us to him, to make us part of his family forever. What, what, a, what an account, what a story. And yet, you've seen it over the last few months as we've studied the gospel. Uh, the times between the times, between Jesus' coming, His first coming, and His cross work, and His, his, his coming someday. The times between the times where we're in now, the, a big part of Mark has been Him going to people who are broken in need of healing, and healing them. Him going to people that are enslaved by evil powers, and Him delivering them from evil spirits and demons, rescuing people, changing lives. Uh, this, this, uh, this week is a uh, time when we celebrate ascension. God, uh, Jesus, after 40 days, rising to heaven. And uh, we, we, we read these stories and uh, in a part of this grand narrative, this, this huge story of redemption, but the, these accounts of lives being changed and people being delivered and people being transformed and Jesus going to heaven and, and maybe there's some that think, well, when he went to heaven, all that changed. When, when he went to heaven, all that stopped. And of course not. 
We get into the book of Acts and we see the church still going out, still changing lives, still seeing people healed, still seeing people delivered and rescued, brought into the kingdom. What a, what a great story, what a great history, what a great book, what a great God who saves and delivers and rescues. Uh, we, we, we look at Mark and, and you know, we think about, oh, Jesus rose to heaven and, and, and maybe we're tempted to think, well, that's, that's back then and there's a kingdom coming, there's glory coming, that's way back then, all these things happening. And, and sometimes we forget that here in the now, Jesus is still calling his church to work. Here and now, he's, he's brought a people together who, have been, who are being sent who are being sent into the world to change lives and, and heal people and deliver and rescue people in Jesus' name, to preach and proclaim, to call people to salvation and rescue. We, uh, we see many incredible things in this book. It's just stunning how, how awesome the, the things of God are. Maybe, maybe sometimes we step back and, and, and we look at this, this account of Mark and, and we see the disciples going and, man, how could God use them? How, how, why does God use them? Why, why doesn't Jesus just do it himself? The, the story of the Bible is God working through people to bring about his redemption and his salvation and his delivery. He, he's redeeming people, but then he takes the redeem and he sends them and he uses them and he calls them and he... He, he makes them his hands and feet. He, he makes them his workers. He makes them his disciples. They do what he does. And, and it's just amazing to stop, step back and think that he would call us to be part of his work, his mission. But that's what Mark leaves us with. The, the, the cross, Jesus went there and died and he, he did it redemptively and purposely to, to rescue people. But the work of rescuing and saving and delivering doesn't stop with the cross. It's, it's the beginning. When we come to Jesus, when we're redeemed, when we're brought near to Him, God empowers us with the Holy Spirit and He sends us to do what He did. Even we get to John chapter 14 and the works that you've seen me doing, you're going to do greater works than these, He says to the church. You start processing that and thinking that. And we, we come to the question of How? Today's scripture comes to the question of how does, this, how does this happen? How is this possible? How does Jesus do his work through us? His amazing work. What's the process? What's the means? What, what's, what's, the, what's the flow? If you'd open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark chapter, four, chapter 9 verse 14. How does this redemptive work carry on today? How do we move forward? How do we rescue people? How do we deliver people? How do we see lives change? This scripture gets to it in an interesting way. Chapter 9, verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and they ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what were you arguing about with him? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. 
Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And he brought the boy to Jesus, and when the Spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus said to the Father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From, from childhood, It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can... All things are possible for him who believes. Immediately the father, the child, cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mutant deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. The boy is like a corpse. So that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we cast it out? He said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. May God bless the reading of his word. So Jesus has gone up on the mountain with three of his disciples the inner three, the ones he's really pouring into, they see Jesus transfigured. They see the glory of God in him. He doesn't stay up on the mountain. He comes down off the mountain. He, the, the three come down and they find the nine embroiled in a controversy. The scribes, the Pharisees are arguing with them. The crowd's gathered around. Maybe they're throwing some punches. No, they're not throwing some punches, but they're, they're, they're at it. And Jesus, uh, he comes down and he sees what's happening. The crowd sees Jesus and everyone's attention turns to him. You know, he's, he's a celebrity and they're just excited he's there. They gather around him, but Jesus wants to know, what happened? You know, I went away for a few days and, and what, what happened? Why the controversy? And uh, somebody from the crowd says, I brought my boy to you. I found your disciples, but I brought my boy to you to heal him. And, uh, you know, my, my boy, uh, the spirit's in him, an unclean spirit, a demon is in him, and it casts him to the ground, it causes him to go rigid, it foams at the mouth, it, it, it's even tried to kill him. Whenever we go by fire or streams of water or, or pools, he, the demon throws my, tries to throw my boy into the water, uh, it's a possession, it's, it's a, a very serious moment. Uh, in the, in the father's life because it's been going on for years apparently. Since he was a child, this has been happening. And, and our, our heart goes out to the father, of course. A hopeless situation, a situation that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemy to have your boy going through this and feeling powerless. How, how, do, we, how do we handle this? What, we, what do we do with it? Uh, we, we step back and, and our, our, kind of our intellect, our, our knowledge these days takes over and we say, well, this, you know, they call it, they call it a, a demon possession, but it looks like epilepsy to me. 
It, you know, and even, even in Matthew's gospel, it, it, causes, it calls the actions seizures. And yet the Word of God says it's a demon. So we believe that there are spiritual powers out there. There are wicked forces that move in our world that do attack people and do abuse people, even if they use a medical condition as a means of their attack. The father is, is downcast. The father is broken. But the father comes in faith. He comes in hope. And, and Jesus, Jesus is here in this story. I, so I brought my, my son. When I found out you aren't here, I asked your disciples to heal him. And they couldn't. And uh, does Jesus make an excuse for his disciples? Does he say, well, mister, you've got to understand, man, demon possession, that's a hard thing. Not everyone can do it. Does he, does he say, well, you know, they're just still learning. You know, it, it takes a master to get rid of these things. D does he say, hey, be patient. You know, not, you know th this is the first try. Maybe if you give them five or six more times, they'll get it. He doesn't do any of that. He, 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 he lashes out almost. He, his, his disappointment, his frustration at his disciples is overwhelming. This unbelieving generation. And in Matthew's Gospel, this perverse generation. And we wonder what's the scope of who he's talking to. Certainly it could be the scribes, the Pharisees. It could be the crowd, their unbelief. But really, uh, the disciples... Lack of belief is on display. The disciples' lack of faith is on display. Well, faithless generation. Now, generation, of course, it's more than just one group, and that's why we say it could be the crowd, it could be the Pharisees, it could be a lot of people. In chapter 8, uh, Jesus talks about the, uh, the Pharisees as, in a generational sense, their lack of, their lack of faith. But uh, here, it seems like the disciples are the, the center of of the story, uh, and we know that because of the end of the account and the discussion on prayer. But man, he's 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 so disappointed. He's he's poured years into these people, and you've got as we've gone through the Gospel of Mark, you've seen it over and over and over again. The importance of faith. Remember when they brought the paralytic? The four brought the paralytic to Jesus, and they went put put him down through the roof. And Jesus saw their faith, and he said, he said, your your sins are healed. Faith, Mark, the way Mark puts the, the accounts together, the selective history together, the way he puts it together, faith matters so much. Remember in Jairus, the, 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 the synagogue leader, when his daughter was dying, Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe. Remember the hemorrhaging woman, when she reached out and touched the, the edge of his garment, uh, Jesus' robe, the tassel on his garment, she, she reached out in faith. Man, once you start looking, once you start reading the Gospel of Mark and, and seeing his heart, he wants people to have faith in the Son of God. He wants people to trust in the Son of God. He's saying, look at how great Jesus is. This is the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Chapter 1, verse 1. He, he wants people to have faith, to trust in him, to believe. And, and as the story goes, man, we get into chapter 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10. We see again and again the disciples, when they're out in the water and the storm comes, Jesus has to rebuke the storm. And he turns to his, disciple, his disciples and he says, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Where's your belief in me? Where's your trust in me? Where's your hope? If not in me. 
And, and so he's just, he's broken, man. How long, Lord? And he's, his eyes are probably to the Father. How long must I be with these people? How long must I put up with these people? I, frustrating. Some of you are school teachers in this room. How long must I teach this subject before they finally believe, before they finally learn, before they finally act on what I'm teaching? Some of you have children at home, and how long must I train them to make the bed? It's, you know, you could go so many different ways on understanding Jesus and his, his frustration, his disappointment. And we step back and we say, well, I don't think casting out a demon, that doesn't sound like too easy of, of, of a thing. Jesus would say, where is your faith? Where is your belief? Uh, and, and the implication is, if Jesus hadn't been there, the boy would have stayed in his brokenness. The boy, boy would have stayed in his enslavement. The boy and the family would have remained in their brokenness and their sorrow and their pain. He expected the disciples to deliver this boy. He was, he was broken when they didn't. We, we step back from these kind of accounts and we hear it week by week. I, I hope as we've gone through the Gospel of Mark, you've seen it again and again and again. That we as disciples are called to go. We as disciples are sent in Jesus' name. We as the disciples are difference makers. We're life changers. We're impactors. Changing the, the, the reality of things, not by our power, not by our grace, uh, by our wisdom or our knowledge or our our bank account or whatever, it's as disciples of Jesus Christ, as people who have been sent in His name, living by faith in God, we step into people's lives, we step into brokenness, we step into evil, and by Jesus' name we make a difference. It's, it's a part and parcel of being a disciple. He, he hasn't called us to be disciples just to have more knowledge, just to know theological terms, just to be able to sing certain songs. He calls us to be disciples and we'd represent Him in His kingdom. And we'd go on mission and through us, He would accomplish His work as we live out our faith and as we pray. The, uh, the prayer of the Father is something we need to look at. So he says uh, to Jesus, uh, I, I ask your disciples to cast it out. They were not able. And, and Jesus, verse 19, answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long must I bear with you? Bring him to me. You know, I could just imagine his voice. And when they brought the boy to him, the spirit saw him. Immediately it convulsed the boy, fell to the ground, and rolled around foaming at the mouth. What a, what a terrible scene. Uh, no, one, no one knows what to do. Um, Jesus said to the Father, How long has it been happening to them from childhood? It has often cast them in the fire and the water to destroy them. L look what the Father says. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. H how does Jesus respond to that prayer? It's kind of like, he's, it's kinda like the, father's, the, the dad of the boy that's rolling around on the ground. He's saying, You know, this might be a little bit out of your league. Jesus, this might be something that you maybe can't handle, but if you can do anything, have compassion and heal my boy. <laughs> Jesus is not impressed by that prayer. 
He's not happy with that prayer. He says, if you can, meaning really, everything's possible for him who believes. All things, some of your translations say, all things are possible for him who believes. Now, we need to be careful there. Jesus is not saying, bring whatever wish you want and I will grant it as your genie. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, bring whatever desire you have and I'll make it happen. Shazoom, balagoom, bagaging. That's, that's not what's going on here. He's saying, Almighty God can do anything. Nothing is impossible for Almighty God. Uh, so belief is a fascinating thing. What, what kind of, so the disciples certainly knew about Jesus' power. I mean, they, they saw it for years. All the times he healed people dramatically, taking away blindness, taking away deafness, uh, restoring hands, etc., etc., raising people from the dead. They saw his power. Okay, so it, it seems like their, their unbelief wasn't in, in, in the sense that they doubted the power of God. They doubted the power of, of Jesus. Their, their belief seems a little bit different than the, than the dad's faith here. The dad certainly comes across as, uh, well, I'm not sure you can handle this. I'm not sure you have enough power, but if you can, as a representative of Yahweh, please heal. So the dad's unbelief seems different than the disciples because the disciples know that Jesus has enough power to remove the demon from this boy. Their belief seems to be something a little on a different level. Like they're not exercising belief. They're, they're not trusting. They're not relying upon God. We'll, we'll get that in a moment. But th this, this prayer by the Father, if you can. <laughs> uh, I wanted to show you in the beginning of the book, if you turn back to chapter 1 of Mark, verse 40, a little bit different tact, or a little bit different prayer, so to speak. Chapter 1, verse 40, in a leper came to him, imploring him. So there's a, there's a request, a, a very passionate request, begging him, kneeling before him, if you will, you can make me clean. So you see the difference there. The, the, the dad's saying, if you can, uh, would you help us? The, the, the man's saying, if it's your will. If this is something that, that you want to do, I know you can do it. And Jesus, you know, carries on, and he says, uh, yeah, I will be clean. I, I, I do will it, so be healed, in verse 41. And then in that, that verse there, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. What a beautiful moment, showing the compassion of God, the love of God, the grace of God. And, and, and God's, you know, sometimes we, we don't know his, his hidden will. Sometimes we don't know his sovereign will behind the scenes. But we see again and again the revealed will in Scripture of God wanting to heal, God wanting to change lives, God wanting, caring about people and loving people and, and making a difference in their life. You know, the, the secret things belong to God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children in Deuteronomy 29. The sense that God is, is compassionate, that He loves, that He cares, that He's good, that he, that he wants to change lives. We, we, we have to go on that, that, that basis. But here, here the man says, I, I don't really know what, you, what, what your plan is. I don't really know what your will is for me, but heal me. I know you can. That's my request. 
so, so back to the dad, the, the prayer is um, different than that. The, the, the dad's prayer, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. What wouldn't have been better if the dad had said, since you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That's a believing prayer. But Jesus challenges the man, and the man, he says, oh man, I believe, but then he admits, help me in my unbelief. He's, he's caught in the middle. He, he wants to believe. He brought the boy to Jesus in the first place. Okay, and so maybe he's disillusioned, maybe he's a little, he's a little broken that the disciples couldn't heal him. Maybe you've been there too. Maybe there was a time where you really went to God with something, you went to Jesus with something, and you didn't get your prayer answered, at least in the way you wanted it to be answered. And so maybe you're a little gun-shy. Maybe you're a little step back, and I don't know if I should pray anymore. I don't know if I believe in prayer anymore. In my brokenness, in my illness, in my disease, I don't know if I should bring this to Jesus. Because maybe, maybe he can't. Or maybe he doesn't want to. I, I don't know. You, I don't know your story. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know how you've prayed. God does. But Jesus takes the man at his word. I, I believe, but help me overcome my belief. And the crowd's starting to gather, and it, it just changes right away. You know, the, the crowd, he doesn't, want, he doesn't want word to get out yet about... You know, he's the Messiah because they're going to misconstrue it. They're going to misuse it. So he heals, he, he rebukes the demon, come out of him, wicked spirit, and, and the, the spirit's moved out. He abuses the boy on the way out. He's like a corpse. And, and uh, the crowd said, yeah, he's dead. But just like in previous uh, parts of the scripture, there, Jesus goes in and he, he touches the person. He takes him by the hand. Remember the little girl Talitha kum, say arise, little girl, and she rose. And Peter's mother-in-law, when he went into the house in Capernaum, took her, took, took him by the, took her by the hand and raised her up. Uh, uh, kind of leading into the, the resurrection, kind of leading into God's power. These these a bunch of scenes of, of seemingly dead people, in some cases dead people, being raised, foreshadowing, looking forward to the resurrection of Jesus Christ by God's power. Uh, as typical of, of Mark, uh, if you read through the gospel, you go home today, you read through the gospel, you're going to see this again and again, when they had entered the house or when they got alone. See, Jesus is teaching and training his disciples. Again, his, his heart is he's, he's, he's planning a church. He's starting a church. He's training people to represent him in the world, to do the things he's done. And so through, through the Gospel of Mark, there's the public parables, and then he goes and he tells them what the parables meant. There's the public healings and the deliverance, and then he goes into the house. He, he separates the disciples from the crowds, and he tells them all that's happening. And so here again we see the private moment, the, the edification of the disciples, the teaching, the training of the disciples. That he wants them to ask questions, and they said, why couldn't we cast it out? You've got to remember back in chapter 6, remember when Jesus sent out the twelve, two by two, and he gave them authority over demons, and, and they went and they, they healed people, they anointed people with oil, and they were healed, they preached the gospel, they, they, they delivered many, many people from demons, and so they already had done this, it wasn't new to them. They weren't novices. They weren't greenhorns. And yet they, they come to this situation and they, they say, why couldn't we cast it out? 
And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Some of your translations, uh, uh, in the earliest manuscripts, uh, many of, the, trans, many of the, the early manuscripts that we have in church history do not include, include fasting, but some of your translations might say prayer and fasting. And in Matthew's edition as well, it says prayer and fasting. Fasting is something you do for a, a limited amount of time, typically, to focus on something. In, in church life, in church history, sometimes when we really want God to answer a prayer, when we really want God to pay attention and, and do something, we, we, we set aside our bodily needs uh, uh, to, in order to focus for a season on God uh, so we can pray more effectively. So it, this, the spirit might be there even if maybe it was in addition, the fasting part, by an early scribe. But the ESV here marks it just says, but prayer. That's, uh, that's pretty simplistic, Jesus. Uh, that's pretty... Uh, pretty I mean, where's the, the next couple paragraphs to explain that? G give me more, Jesus. But Jesus told the disciples on that day, and Mark records it, this can only happen by the power of prayer. This can only come about by your prayers. And, and we step back, and so uh, w when he got upset with the disciples, he's like, this unbelieving generation, this people with lack of faith, this, this perverse generation, talking about the disciples, what was he getting at? <laughs> they, 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 they didn't pray. And what is prayer? He's not talking about a mechanical kind of a prayer. Like uh, in some of the Eastern religions, you know, they put up, put up prayer wheels, they put up, put up prayer cloths that blow in the wind. It's not, prayer isn't like this thing that you, you set out there and mechanically uh, the spirits or the gods have to answer it. He's talking about a personal faith. Prayer is a response to God in, in, in a big overarching sense. Believing He exists, believing He wants good to happen. Prayer is a big, big deal. But in this context, He's saying, you didn't pray, meaning... You didn't ask. You didn't rely upon me. You didn't entrust yourself to me in this situation. And apparently, maybe the guys got full of themselves. Ah, uh, we got this. We've seen lots of demons. We, we got this. You know, like Jesus goes away for a few days and, ah, uh, we got this. This is old hat. And they apparently did not realize they still needed to depend on Jesus Christ for deliverance. That they needed to depend on the living God to do things they could not do themselves. I wonder if we're in the same situation today. Uh, pray for a fire to stop. Uh, you know, there's, there's three tankers right now flying around Caneos Canyon. They, they got it. We don't need to pray. Pray for moisture to come. Uh, that's, that's scientifically, we know that, you know, it, it, we don't need to do that. We grew up in families or grew up in cultures where prayer is like, well, there's, there's the facts and then there's these things up here called prayer and faith and belief. And yet God 
calls us again and again in this book, the story of redemption, the story of salvation, the story of rescue from creation to new creation, the history of the world, the history of the earth, God moving in accomplishing His will. And the radical, incredible, stunning reality that He chooses to do His will through the prayers of His people. He chooses to accomplish His plans through the hands and feet of His people. He chooses to work His wonders and His outcomes and His appointed decrees through His people. I, uh, I think of the, 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 the scriptures as they, as they move. Why does God spend so much time with his people? And why does he send them out? And why does he want to use them? I don't know. But somehow he calls us into his purposes. He calls us into his, his mission. He calls us into his work. He calls us in his name to go and to be and to live and to act. Prayer is... Believing in God's power. Prayer is the action of believing and implementing and applying our belief in God's power. We step back and we say, oh, well, I, I, I can't control God. No, you can't. <laughs> but God calls you to pray. To trust and believe. That He cares. That He is good. That He wants to accomplish things. Well, I don't know the will of God. I don't know the will of God for this fire in Canales Canyon. Other than it's destructive. It's going to hurt lives. It's going to destroy property. Certainly, I know I'm called to pray. I don't know the outcome. I, I don't know what God says is going to happen, but I know I've call, been called to pray. When, when, when God's will is known. We pray according to His will. When we don't know His will, we pray for good. We pray for people. We pray for their rescue. We pray for their deliverance. We pray for their salvation. We, uh, we don't pray selfishly, but we pray boldly because God has all the authority. God has all the power. God can do everything we don't dare put a cap on God's power. We don't dare put a cap on what God can do. We don't say, well, back in 1975, I didn't get that prayer answered, so I know that He can't do this today. No. We don't say, last week I prayed for such and such to happen, and it didn't happen, so I'm not going to pray anymore. No. The Bible calls us to pray, to change the world through prayer. change lives, to heal, to rescue, to deliver. As God's people pray, God goes to work. He's sovereign. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. I don't know how it works. All I know is again and again, God calls us to pray, and through prayer, lives are changed. 
salvation comes to the lost. Rescue comes to those in bondage. Healing comes to those who are diseased by the power of God. Church, this redemptive story that we're written into, this redemptive plan that we're working on, this, redemp this redemptive outcome that God has promised, that He won at the cross, that's going to be implemented at the end of time, we're called to work, we're called to act, we're called to pray. What a great God we have. What an amazing God that we have that He would call us into His service to partner in Him, with Him in His amazing salvation. Let us be a people who pray. Would you please stand in the Lord's presence. God Almighty, we praise you today. We worship you today. We uh, tread on mysterious ground. We tread on uh, things that are higher than us today. We think about your call to pray. Lord, give us the grace to pray. Give us the power to pray. Give us the belief in prayer and belief in you. Give us the desire to pray. Open, us our, open up our eyes to the calling we have to make a difference in this world. Open us, open us our, our eyes again on, on your desire for us to work in your ways and accomplish your purposes and your plans. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, we believe. Help us to overcome our belief, our unbelief. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your, your loving of us. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for how you revealed yourself to us. And may you be worshipped and glorified and honored by your church that you've made for yourself. So again, send us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Be glorified, Lord, through your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God, by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.